uh, ingested gastrointestinal foreign bodies today. And it's a relatively rare complaint, but we do see it. Uh, the incidence is uh, unknown in the population. There re really isn't a lot of good data out there, but it's estimated that 1,500 deaths occur per year from uh, ingested foreign bodies in the GI tract. And uh, a couple uh, observational studies have shown that there's been no differences noted in race. And in children, male and females are equal in um, uh, incidence. But in adults, uh, there's a higher uh, incidence in men than in women for both intentional and also accidental ingestions. And most of the population that we'll see will be children. 75 to 80% of patients with these ingested foreign bodies are children. And they range usually from 18 to 48 months. And this is because this is when they're most curious. And uh, typically they ingest objects uh, that they just find around the house or anywhere. And most often they're coins, buttons, marbles, crayons, a variety of things that they can put in there in buffalo pendants. <laughs> As well, yes. I thought it was a bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. So, in 2007, uh, there were 100, about 125,000 uh, reported ingestions to the Poison Control Center. No. Was that Melodious? <laughs> nice work. Was it in the oral pharynx? Oh, wow. What if that was un unsuccessful? What would you have done, Craig? Um, so adults are also porn, or <laughs> prone <laughs> to ingest uh, food bolses. Uh, chicken and fish bones are very common. I've seen already a couple of those in my residency. Um, but you also see dentures and toothpicks. And there's uh, a couple psychiatric patients that present to UCI all the time with uh, bizarre ingestions as well. And uh, prisoners are also a common uh, group because they're trying to get out of prison and seek medical care. And when they do present in adults, uh, th usually there's some underlying uh, disorder with the esophagus that the patient has. So whenever you see um, an adult with uh, either food impaction or some sort of uh, foreign body getting lodged in the esophagus, always think about other etiologies. So in this case, this person has a stricture. Um, and like I said, uh, prisoners often uh, swallow objects to hide them from authorities or to seek medical care. And uh, I was reading that they often um, are cautious, though. They actually tape the sharp ends of the knives or razor blades to avoid injury um, at the time. And here's an ingested knife. So you also have um, packers, uh, body packers versus uh, stuffers. And the um, drug smugglers that swallow the multiple... Um, condoms filled with cocaine and heroin are called body packers but, uh, versus the ones who are trying to elude police or arrest and just swallow whatever drugs they have in their possession and that's called stuffing. 
So what's the impact on health? Well, you can get a variety of things. You can get abrasions, lacerations, uh, punctures, perforations, uh, infections. And in particular, esophageal foreign bodies are of concern because they tend to have more um, deleterious results. They can result in pneumomediastinum, mediastinitis, fistulas, even aortic injury if you have um, necrosis or rupture of the esophageal wall. Um, so there's a couple places that most of these get lodged. You can have them in the oral pharynx, the esophagus, the stomach, or the small bowel. And in the oral pharynx, it's uh, very well innervated. So patients um, typically complain of a foreign body sensation, and they're very easy to localize. And typically, the patient complains of uh, having inability to swallow or handle secretions. These are straightforward, and if they're visual on just um, exam, uh, you can try to uh, take it out directly. So, so that's actually an interesting picture. That's probably, did you say that's the epiglottis peeking up behind there? I did not. Well, just just uh, the other morning, we mm -hmm. had a lady with some sort of weird neck complaints and ended up doing, uh, just with local anesthetic, hurricane spray, direct fire endoscopy, sit her up inside the bed, which Dr. Keating talked years ago, so take a regular old uh, Macintosh blade laryngoscope and just put it in, depress the tongue. So another area is the esophagus. It's a tubular structure, about 25 centimeters in length, and it's important to note that the upper esophagus is um, um, well innervated, so it's, uh, easily, patients typically can easily identify foreign bodies in that area, but the lower two-thirds of the structure is uh, poorly innervated, and it's more difficult to um, note foreign bodies in that area for patients. So there's three areas of uh, narrowing. You have the upper esophageal sphincter, which is where the cricopharyngeus muscle crosses over. Um, and you also have another area of narrowing at the crossover of the aorta, which is sort of in the mid-esophagus. And then you have the last point of narrowing, which is the lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, other things that can cause um, foreign body uh, impaction in that area can be strictures, uh, malignancies, all these things. Any structural abnormalities can do this as well, and also motor disturbances. So in more elderly patients, you always got to think of other comorbid conditions. Here's an example of a coin lodged at the upper esophageal sphincter. Um, and then you can see the progression here at the coin being lodged at the level of the aorta crossover. And then 
finally, the coin being at the uh, lower esophageal sphincter. Those are the three common places that you see uh, things being lodged at. Uh, it's also important, uh, important to note that uh, children, 75% of the time, they have entrapment in the uh, UES versus adults, which is um, they typically have entrapment lower at the LES, so it differs with age. Uh, and so adults, when they have esophageal foreign bodies, they tend to present acutely and they have dysphagia. And they also might present with drooling or inability to eat or um, tolerate secretions. And if it's in the lower uh, esophageal sphincter area, because it's uh, not as well um, innervated, they typically just have vague, vague discomfort in the epigastric area. So if um, at any point you're in doubt, um, you could always get an x-ray um, or uh, other imaging moda mod modalities to determine the cause. And uh, I was reading the classic presentation on some of the uh, question banks and test is that a person who has dentures had some alcohol and then ate a large meal of meat and then has incomplete chewing which leads to impaction at the lower esophageal sphincter. And so with children though you got to be more cautious because their history is less clear and typically you got to rely on the parents on their first-hand visual account of what happened and 35% um, of children are actually um, asymptomatic uh, when they actually have foreign bodies in their esophagus. Uh, but they can also present with gagging, vomiting, neck, throat pain, etc. And when it's a large foreign body, you can actually cause a tracheal impingement resulting in stridor. Um, so that's another thing to be wary of. And uh, there's been cases of chronic esophageal foreign bodies where uh, kids aren't meeting the growth curve, and that's the cause uh, because they have poor feeding, irritability, etc. So. Once in the stomach, uh, a foreign body has 90% chance of passage. However, you should be concerned anytime objects are greater than 2 centimeters in diameter or 6 centimeters long. And these are less likely to pass the pylorus, so then you'd want endoscopy for those type of objects. And also in the small bowel, there's a couple of places where it can get impeded at the ileocecal valve. And also if the patient has a, a mechel, it can become entrapped there as well. So we have a couple imaging mod modalities at our disposal. We have radiographs. Uh, we can do a barium swallow, and we can also do CAT scans. And in regards to radiographs, anytime there's a concern uh, for any sort of foreign body uh, ingestion, always um, err on the side of caution and order a, a PA and lateral film so that you can get opposing views uh, on patients. Um, and so the classic example that we all know of is if you see it in the sagittal plane on an AP view, uh, it's likely in the trachea because you have incomplete um, fusion of the tracheal rings in the posterior aspect. If you see it in the frontal plane, then it's likely in the esophagus. Um, what about non-radiopaque objects? Well, um, such as swallowed bones, um, they actually are detected 20 to 50% of the time on plain radiographs, so it doesn't hurt to get radiographs even if it's a toothpick or a, or a bone that's ingested uh, uh, on a patient because sometimes you will pick it up. And then uh, there's button batteries and how you can differentiate those from coins on plain films. And uh, from the reading I, I, I did, um, if you're at any point unsure, um, just uh, send the, the patient for um, uh, endoscopy because within a couple of hours you can have esophageal necrosis. 
but good things to look out for. Um, usually these button batteries have a double density on a, like a, a frontal view. And it, it, when they're viewed in a lateral plane, you can actually see those um, demarcations there that step off at the junction of the cathode and anode, um, as shown in that picture here. And I was also thinking maybe they're also smaller, as you can tell in these uh, two films here. Just their appearance looks more like a button battery. Um, and then for drug pack packets, they always have these characteristic appearances on film, typically in the lower uh, bowel by now. Uh, but they're circular elliptical type patterns, and um, that's their characteristic appearance. So would you ever get a barium study? Um, and they said it's indicated if the ingestion is non-radio opaque. Um, so it can detect um, things like pill bottles, toothpicks, et cetera. But um, it doesn't, it's really not good for uh, more distal ingestions in the stomach or small intestine. And uh, barium is obviously contraindicated where any sort of perforation is suspected. But in that case, you can use gastrographin um, without deleterious effects. So here's an example of barium uh, swallow study with a, I think it was an aspirin pill bottle um, swallowed by a patient. So. I have not. I mean, we have that yeah. available. It's really uncommon. Um, GI radiologists are usually old guys who there's not a lot of call for non-CT GI studies now, um, but they still do them. Um, in fact, just just a few weeks ago, I had a patient with a uh, stats post uh, gastric bypass that uh, the bariatric surgery team ordered a barium uh, swallow in order to evaluate the size of the stomach. say that, like, oh, I swallowed a bone or something like that. I feel like it's stuck in my throat. I feel like it's stuck right here. And you get an x-ray and there's nothing there. And so I don't know if this, I've heard things about, like, having someone swallow, like, a cotton ball. Like, you so break up a cotton area, ball so and you see it. And then it coats the foreign body as it goes past it. You can see it better because most of the fish bones and stuff are so minimal with calcium, you can't see them. Mm -hmm. So you need a barium swallow, and that's one of the strategies to do it. Okay. So, yeah, it's done. Yeah, and actually CT scan is good in detecting those non-radiopaque objects as well. And, um, but it's of these patients that present, like saying that they have fish bones stuck, only 17 to 25% actually have something stuck there, so it's a low percentage. And always get a CT scan if you're concerned for perforation or abscess. And so I think before I do a barium, I would probably go to a CT if I'm concerned. So in there, are they saying that most of these fish bones ones need to be taken out? Ooh, yeah, I'll get into that, yeah. So once here's the treatment. If you have an unstable patient, obviously you want to um, do ABCs um, and do uh, airway management first and then um, always get a, a urgent endoscopy. So these are the patients that have sepsis, that might have perfed, have active bleeding, drooling, et cetera. So that's pretty straightforward in terms of that. You'd call GI right away. Um, also, another uh, patient that's classified as unstable is uh, someone who's ingested a button battery. 
because necrosis occurs within hours. And um, however, if it's in the stomach on uh, x-ray, you can allow it to pass and uh, recommend follow-up x-rays within two days. And if it's still in the stomach by then, then you got to take it out. Do they recommend anything about, like, I know it's an acid that kind of gets it, giving a man acids? Or I didn't read about that. just taking it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's not emergent. Okay, so you now have a stable patient, and what we can do is, like Dr. Landorf was saying, was. Uh, do direct examination, or you can have assistance with fiber optics. And if you're unsuccessful with that, you can always consult ENT and maybe do it in a OR setting, in a more secure setting. Um, so if the object is sharp, if it's greater than five centimeters in the esophagus or six in the stomach or small intestines, uh, you should refer the patient for endoscopy, so call GI. Um, if you have sharp objects like razor blades, et cetera, toothpicks, chicken bones, those are also urgent. Uh, and that's because 35% of these objects will actually perforate the, the bowel wall. Um, however, I, I was reading smaller sharp uh, foreign bodies actually can pass if they're in the stomach um, just through peristalsis with the blunt end leading first. So they were saying that this isn't uh, an emergency where you have to get endoscopy. You could just follow these these patients, but I, I didn't, they didn't really classify as to what was small. Um, so also, you could, with those non-radiopaque uh, form bodies, you consider CT scan, and if positive, refer for endoscopy. Um, how about for uh, coins, uh, a special case? Um, so any smooth foreign bodies, like coins, marbles, etc., tend to pass without any difficulty, and in children, typically 60 to 80% of the ca uh, cases pass within several hours of presentation. So anything with rounded edges, you shouldn't worry about and let them just pass on their own and um, just uh, refer for uh, subsequent x-ray. Um, do not use a meat tenderizer in patients with food boluses at the LES because they can actually cause necrosis of the esophagus, so that's never a good idea. Um, so for um, body packers, um, there's things that you should do. You, sh you could do whole bowel irrigation, and they typically avoid endoscopy because you don't want any sort of instrumentation of the packets to open them up and cause further harm. And I know BC had that case where they took her to surgery. Um, so here are some th treatment me methods to Move them. You can use endoscopy, you can use a Foley, you can use a bougie, and you can also use medications to relax the. Bougie yep. Bougie nage, yeah. Bougie nage. Bougie nage. 
Uh, so endoscopy, we all know, um, it's traditional and it's uh, very fast, but it's expensive uh, for patients. Another technique that I, I particularly enjoyed was the Foley catheter removal. And um, this is typically only done for objects that are smooth, blunt, um, that might be greater than two to six centimeters, but have no sharp edges at all. And they're contraindicated in patients who've had these um, foreign bodies greater than 72 hours or any sort of evidence of disease like strictures, et cetera, or any sort of respiratory distress. And the way it's done is typically under fluoroscopy, they were saying, and you always need emergency airway backup. And the patient is put in head down position and uh, 12 French Foley to 16 French Foley is inserted orally and then passed all the way distal to the foreign body and then the balloon is inflated and the catheter is pulled out with the foreign body and they said success rates actually pretty high 85 to 100 percent and here here's an example of that i think um in the er we sh really shouldn't be trying to do this obviously because we don't have fluoro um uh, but there is a low complication rate zero to two percent and um, uh, I haven't really seen our GI specialists do it that often. It's a lot less expensive. And so the funny thing at Loma Linda's pediatric emergency department, they have this wall. They have every specialty and subspecialty known to mankind at Loma Linda. They're a huge pediatric department. But the peds ED folks there, they will tube these patients, protect their airway, then stick a Foley catheter and pluck these suckers out. And they, they all do it. And they, and they all have, like, just anecdotally, just tremendous success doing this. Never a bad accomplishment. Have you ever heard them, actually, because we should tell you that you can actually push it through, too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's the bougenage you're yeah, going to talk so about. Okay. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. Okay. You said, I think you mentioned you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 no. You don't, need to, yeah. you don't need to do anything other than. But that's only for objects. Do you always need to make kids? Not for the bougenage. Do you do it with the kids for the Foley? Uh, I would, but uh, aspirates. Yeah. Now they're dead. Yeah. That, then you have the meatball syndrome right. on a little kid who's like four years old or three years old. That's terrible, and you caused that. <laughs> I don't know. So it's gotta be in the esophagus. Come on, Mervis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to be in the esophagus. Because once it's in the stomach, I don't know, I would just be so yeah. like, I'd be so nervous about intubating a perfectly healthy. They have unique anatomy for it. Pretty easy. They had fluoro at Long Beach that they use for ortho. So, I mean, I don't know if they're using it for GI yet, but I mean, they have it at. The C arm is like this big. Yeah. So, the next technique is the bougie technique that uh, BC was talking about. And, um,. Again, indications for this procedure is that the foreign body, once again, has to be smooth. It can't be sharp or irregular. It has to be in there for less than 24 hours, and there can't be any sort of uh, underlying stricture or webs or diverticula in the esophagus. And typically, um, it's good um, to, uh, essentially, it's a bougie um, that they um, place um, past uh, orally, like placing an NG tube, and you just pass it down, pass the LES. Um, 
and uh, chest uh, radiograph is used to confirm the passage into the stomach. And there's a good success rate on this as well. It's anywhere from 83 to 100 percent. The bougie actually is, is age, uh, the size is kind of age adjusted, so it's not the same bougie that we use. Fill the holes up. Right. And then it's, uh, and then you measure it out just like an NG tube, and you know exactly how far you're supposed to go down, and how you got to talk about. Yeah, um, and it's like a dilator essentially, and um, it's like placing a nasogastric tube, and you always want to put some topical anesthetic in the oral pharynx there. Um, to keep the patient comfortable during this procedure. And uh, you're a little less concerned about airway issues with this because you're not pulling it back out. You're just pushing it through the stomach and letting it pass on its own. Um, so it's also uh, a technique that w as ER physicians uh, we should be comfortable with um, more often. Uh, you have medical management. You could do relaxation of the LES. Um, well, yeah. I know we do five and two as like
Um, so in regards to medical management, uh, there's been studies showing that uh, success rates are no greater than those with watchful waiting. But if you do decide to use it, you can use glucagon, uh, one to two milligrams IV, and then um, typically followed by an um, easy gas uh, agent. And um, if that's not available, you can always use like Coke or anything else that's carbonated. Uh, so success rate is anywhere from 12 to uh, 50%. And it's unlikely, like I said, to help in uh, coin ingestions in children because most 80% of those times they pass spontaneously. Um, also uh, noted in the literature, you can use nitrates, um, but they're less widely used and can have hypotension as a side effect. Uh, and if the Workup is negative, so you got plain films or CT scan, et cetera, um, and there's no foreign body. You can discharge the patient uh, with analgesia and have them follow up for in 24 hours. Uh, it's still symptomatic. Um, and then cost, endoscopy averaged uh, about 2,700, while fully catheter removal costs about 660. So I haven't seen it done yet, but it's more cost efficient. Uh, one special case is uh, magnets. If uh, one magnet is ingested, it's no big deal. Treatments like any other ingested foreign body, but if two or more magnets are ingested, there's a theoretical risk that um, they're in opposing bowel loops and that can, they can be attached uh, or attracted and then cause necrosis. So that's an automatic surgical consultation in those cases. Uh, more about coins here. Um, Typically, just watchful waiting is, is the best approach with these unstable patients. Uh, but in the United States, uh, it's been noted that uh, pennies are made in c copper and zinc, and that can actually cause some ulcerations if impacted. So you should uh, advise their parents to have their children follow up uh, with radiographs in one or two days. And these are just some algorithms that I won't go through. Uh, but some common pitfalls uh, to consider is that um, if you have a child with, that's obviously a poor historian but has some symptoms like uh, drooling or wheezing or vomiting, have a low suspicion for esophageal form bodies and order uh, x-rays. And always remember to uh, obtain an endoscopy in patients with high-grade uh, obstructions or any sort of sharp objects or button batteries. And um, don't ever use the Foley or Bougie in patients with sharper, irregular shaped objects because you can, these can cause perforations or more harm than good. And um, that's about it.